We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! Kittle, he's gonna go! Touchdown! Welcome to the locker room, this is a little bit different. Um, if I sound distracted, it's because I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out. Um, it looks like we got ten people in here, and, and people talking in the... <laughs> Um, in the discussion, so this will be fun. We'll bring you guys in. Um, request to be a uh, request to speak in the. Um, this is for you. In the room, and we will and we will get everybody, uh, as many people as we can, to offer their thoughts on the 49ers quarterback yeah. situation. But Kyle, since you're here, we're talking about Sam Darnold. If you're in a spot where you maybe can't request a speaker, maybe you don't like talking or whatever, I've got the chat fired up as well, and we will be we will be in there. Like I said, if you don't want if you don't want to request to speak and be on the pod, you can interact with us that way and we'll take questions and we'll take comments. Are we starting with Sam Darnold? Yeah, I've been I, I talked with Rob about Sam Darnold a little bit. Like yeah, Sam Darnold his, stinks. <laughs> okay. No, no holding back. He was the no, worst quarterback objectively, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. So I think objectively. Here's 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 my process. So when I decided that Sam Darnold stunk, I said I should probably look into this. So naturally I start with numbers to make sure there's something I'm not missing or see if there's some context I'm missing there. And then I go and I I 
pull up Game Pass and I go watch the Jets. I don't watch every Jets game, but I pull up some offensive possessions and I watch and I watch some touchdown drives. I watch some turnovers and this and that. Dude, Sam Darnold's just not very good. He was the lowest rated passer in the league last year. I get, and I, and I, I understand the argument that he's with the Jets and that organization is a dumpster fire. I understand all of that. But check this out. Sam Darnold, 6.6 yards per attempt in three years, 59.8% completion rate. All right. That's in 38 games. Since 2006, quarterbacks have done that in their first three seasons. Joey Harrington, Eli Manning, Mark Sanchez, Sam Bradford, Blake Bortles, and Darnold. It's not great company. And my whole thought is if there's a level he's going to get to above where he's been, because I think he can be better than he's been, but is his ceiling higher than what Garoppolo is going to give you? I don't think it is. And that's his ceiling. Can you hear me right now? I can now. Okay. I, for whatever reason, I'm no longer, wait, wait a sec. Yeah, I can't find the the room in the app right now. I don't know if I accidentally exited out. Hopefully people can hear me. Um, I'm going to try to figure this out, but if, if you can hear me today, I think everybody else I can, can hear you. Me. We're good, dude. Okay. Um, yeah, I just can't see anything in the room on my app right now. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I, like I told Rob, like, I just don't understand, like, how, how are the 49ers going to sell this? Right? Like, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think if they do trade for Sam Darnold, I think it's probably going to be um, with another, you know, either with Garoppolo sticking around or maybe drafting someone highly. Um, but I just don't see a scenario where Sam Darnold is the upgrade, the clear and obvious upgrade that the 49ers would be coveting. I, I could understand the interest in that they liked him as a prospect coming out of USC. Mm-hmm. He fits the offense. Um, you could potentially maximize him uh, on a cheaper contract for sure than you're getting with Garoppolo. You'd save a bunch of money. You'd get a little bit younger. But this is a locker room that expects to contend for a Super Bowl in 2021 and a lot of these, a lot of their best players are pretty close with Jimmy Garoppolo. And so, you know, I, I like if there were an upgrade, I think a lot of the player, a clear upgrade, a lot of the players would just be fine with it. Like if they did the Deshaun Watson trade somehow, mm-hmm. I think George Kittle and, you know, the leadership council and everybody else would embrace that trade pretty seamlessly, right? If Kyle Shanahan decides Sam Darnold is an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo, then Kyle Shanahan's putting himself in a position where, all right, now he's really culpable, right? Like, now he's he's putting his coaching career with the 49ers on the line with Sam Darnold because he doesn't have the ability anymore to wait. And that's, like, that's – the quarterback decision is his. Like, that ultimately is what's going to define his tenure with the 49ers. And so – I just don't see how upgrade, like trying to make that upgrade from Sam Darnold makes any sense from that standpoint. Because if you lose and you don't feel a contending team and, you know, Sam Darnold stays healthy and all that and he's just not good enough, then you're, then you're really, then you have to ask the question, is Kyle Shanahan really right for this job? Because he took a quarterback that went to the Super Bowl, got rid of him, got worse, and now everyone's looking around like, what just happened? 
So the Sam Darnold thing is, like I said, it's interesting to me because so many prominent people who are plugged in are talking about it. Um, but I just can't figure out in what way it's an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe skill set, I think that's arguable. But I don't know how – I don't think the 49ers could justify bringing in Sam Darnold as Jimmy Garoppolo's replacement. I think it would either be with Jimmy as a starter to maybe back him up and and or compete with him if he struggles at some point during the regular season. I guess the argument that can be made is that if the rumor that the – or the report that the Patriots are looking at Jimmy Garoppolo as their plan A, if that's a fact, and – the 49ers can recoup a second-round pick for Garoppolo and then trade a second-rounder for Darnold. Maybe Darnold's not as good, but the additional $18 million, I think, is where it's it's weighing whether a possible downgrade under center is worth that additional $18 million in cap space. Yeah, I think it would just signal – it would send the wrong signal. Right, like the 49ers had been a team at the turn of the century that wasn't exactly known for spending, right? Like, and I think that's changed since Levi's Stadium opened. They've been um, at or near the top of the league in uh, in revenue, according to you know whatever financial reports you want to read that that have been made public. The Niners, I think, are one of the like five or six most valuable teams in sports, and you know you talk to people. Um, in Miami last year, they spent a whole lot of money on basically bringing everybody within the organization and all their families to the Super Bowl. They had a massive party after the Super Bowl, which obviously was designed to to celebrate a Super Bowl win. They had the party anyway, but it was not cheap. Um, and you talk to guys, you know, we had uh, Tabor Pepper on, long snapper, on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And he t- told us, you know, in Arizona, everything was first class. Like, the Niners really spent everything they needed to spend to make sure everybody was comfortable and doing everything right. So, like, I just I, – I don't think the 49ers are cheap anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would it would send sort of a wrong message like, hey, we know you guys like Jimmy. We know we went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy, but he was a little too expensive, so here's Sam Darnold. Right. Right. Like, I, I just don't I, I just don't see that happening. And the other thing is, too, with the 49ers are probably going to end up having more cap space than we anticipated. Um, I know over the cap changed their projections. I think it was last week. The 49ers, they're saying, are going to have about twenty eight million in cap space as of right now. And I think Albert Breer reported the same thing in the MMQB. Mm-hmm. And that, that's against a hundred and eighty three million dollar cap. Yeah. And that's. Um, and that's a product of players not reaching their incentive bonuses, um, and, and that money gets factored into the following season salary cap. So, you know, if there was a silver lining with all the injuries, it's that the 49ers saved some money in performance bonuses based on, you know, the salary cap. So $28 million is a lot more than the $13 million that we had been talking about, right? Right. So, you know, Trent Williams, if he signs with the 49ers, I'd imagine it's going to be a backloaded deal. Um but I, I think $28 million is enough space to where you can comfortably sign Trent Williams um, to a deal that, you know, if it's, if it's anything like the other deals the 49ers have signed with, you know, George Kittle, for example, or even Eric Armstead, like those deals had pretty minimal 
um, cap numbers up front, and then they get bigger, mm-hmm. obviously, as time goes on. They could do that with Trent Williams, and they could potentially do that with another free agent, whether it be a pass rusher or a cornerback or whatever. So they might not be in like this place where they have to get cheaper at quarterback in order to make sure the rest of the roster is good. Like it could be right. something where they just roll with Jimmy, and then if they're creative enough and and able to um, have small initial cap figures for Trent Williams and the other guys, then then you're probably in a pretty good spot. I I I think one of the things that is a constant in this scenario, though, regardless of what what fate belies Jimmy Garoppolo. Regardless of what the team thinks of Sam Darnold, I think no matter what they wind up doing, they have to they have to use something close to a premium draft pick on a quarterback. Because you can't let's say they go into twenty one with Garoppolo under center and they sign Andy Dalton. I'm just picking a name. It doesn't matter who the backup is. They just sign a veteran. And then either bring Nick Mullins back or C.J. Beathard back to be the QB3 or wait until the fourth or fifth round to draft another quarterback, you run the risk of going into 22. Let's say Garoppolo gets hurt again, or let's say he underperforms and doesn't reach this new level that Kyle Shanahan has said he thinks Garoppolo can reach. You now go into 22 with Garoppolo, who is not the long-term answer, or at least has not proven to be the long-term answer in yet another season, you might still have that veteran and your late-round quarterback pick, your mid-to-late-round quarterback pick. And I just don't think you want to go into 2022 in that scenario because now you're coming off a year where if Garoppolo is not very good or he gets hurt again, you're probably not making the playoffs. So you've missed the playoff two years in a row, and you don't have a long-term answer under center. And that's a situation I don't I don't think they can find themselves in and continue to be successful. Like at that point, you're looking at a pretty massive uh, change to the roster. You're looking at like Kirk Cousins or something like that down the road, right? Yeah, and and even Kirk Cousins is under contract for two more years, so you'd have to figure 2022 out. Are you rolling with Garoppolo again after he gets hurt or underperforms in 21? That's, no, if, that's, and if if they roll it back with with Garoppolo in 2021, they're not going to do it again in 2022. If 2021 looks anything like 2020, right? That was a lot of years. But if if what just happened happens again, they're not rolling. Yeah, if he gets if he gets hurt again or underperforms, now the the other scenario is let's say they trade up and draft Trey Lance. I'm again picking a name. Let's say they trade up and draft Trey Lance. And then Garoppolo comes out this year, and they keep Garoppolo. And Garoppolo is awesome. Throws for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns and six interceptions and wins an MVP, and they go 14-2. and two. Well, now they have a good problem on their hands. Because having too many good quarterbacks or, or too many desirable quarterbacks is not that bad of a situation to be in. And I think that's where you get if you draft a quarterback high and Garoppolo plays well. Yeah. Um, so Malik Hoskins, we were just talking about this in the group chat a little a little bit um, ago. He said, speaking of cap space, is Jera the, the appropriate way to spell um, it is. Jerry Jones' first name? Is he telling us something about the salary cap possibly being higher 
than expected by signing Dak to that crazy deal. Um, maybe, maybe I, I don't. I don't think it's really a, a secret that the deal is coming. Um, it sounds like the Fox, CBS, and ESPN sides are done. I think I'd have to go back and read, but it sounded like three of the four networks were pretty much done, and all were paying substantially more than on the previous deal. Um, and that the finalized agreement could come out this week, which would make sense because um, the new league year starts the 17th. So it would give teams with, and particularly with with the um, with the franchise tag deadline being tomorrow, teams want to know what the salary cap is going to be like. So if they're not mm-hmm. pushing back the the tag deadline yet, I think everybody within league circles has a pretty good idea of what uh, about what the number is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's possible. The, the one thing about Dak too, and, and his new contract is that, and Adam Schefter reported this first, I think, um, that hit the first year of his deal, he's going to have a $22 million cap hit, which mm-hmm. is down pretty substantially from the 37, um, that it would have been on the tag number. Right. So either way, no matter what the cap is, the Cowboys are saving money initially on the cap by getting this deal done. Obviously they're paying Dak some, what, 75 million in cash the first year or whatever, (laughs) something crazy, but it's only 22 million in cap dollars. So, um, the cap dollars. Yeah. I I think it's, it's been known already that this TV deal is coming. And, um, but I, I think certainly that that didn't, that didn't prevent the, the Cowboys from paying Dak Prescott what he got, but, um, that's that's the answer to that question. Do you have anything else on on Dak Steele you want to hit on before we before we take another question? I don't think C.J. Beathard will get an equal deal in free agency. Yeah, I don't think Nick Mullins will either. That's my take. Um, <laughs> no, it just uh, I, I, I that's why that's why people are thrilled to be on the soccer map. Yep, you're all welcome. No, I I just if there was if if there was any chatter of the 49ers trying to pursue Dak. It's obviously not. I don't think there was, there was, I mean, but just in case someone had that in the back of their head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a situation where Dak could have been fed up and demanded a trade and he could have been tagged in trade or something like, like D Ford was a couple years ago. Um, so Jonathan Silva, trade Jimmy, sign Newton and draft a quarterback. Um, Hmm. Man, did did you watch Cam Newton play last year? I did. It I wasn't. Just, super it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I I don't know. You know, like the thing is with Kyle Shanahan and what he said early on when he got hired in 2017 was that he wanted quarterbacks to all have similar skill sets and that you don't really have to, dr- to make dramatic changes to the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you do have to do that with Cam Newton. And yeah, it's not just like Cam's skill set, yes. Yeah, and it's not just because like, oh, Cam's a running quarterback and and all that. I think that's an oversimplification. I just like watching Cam throw last year, and maybe it was because he was hurt. I know he was awful in that Niners game, but it was like, you know, the accuracy on short throws wasn't there. I know the Patriots didn't really have any weapons. Um, that's the that's the pro Cam argument I think you can make. Yeah. Yeah, and is that the Forty ers like? Kendrick Bourne would have been the Patriots' best receiver by, like, a lot. Yeah, and he might be in, in 2021, too. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Um, but, no, I, I don't see it. I just don't think Cam really fits what Kyle Shanahan wants to do on offense. And I I honestly think it would be a downgrade from, from Jimmy. Obviously, the caveat with Jimmy, and it's not like 
you know, I, if healthy and if maxed out and playing with all these weapons, like remember in 2019, the 49ers had the second highest scoring offense, fourth overall in yardage, right. and they were running the ball a lot. And that was after Jimmy Garoppolo didn't really have an off season because he was recovering from the ACL thing. Like I think peak, peak Jimmy Garoppolo, like maximize Jimmy Garoppolo can be like pretty firmly a top eight quarterback. Interesting. Right. Like, and if you get that from him, you you have a chance to to go to the Super Bowl. Like if if the rest of your team is good, right? And that's what we yeah. learned about the 49ers in 2019. So when I'm talking about like Jimmy Garoppolo and comparing him to other quarterbacks, like I think it's they, there aren't really a whole lot of options to say, oh, we're going to go get a better quarterback to help the 49ers win in 2021. The the big thing is health, right? Right. Yeah, so I, I think Jimmy right. Garoppolo is better than Cam Newton. Cam Newton's obviously struggled with injuries the last few years. It, like, there isn't really a justifiable case to say Cam Newton is a is a better option. He's a different option, but I just don't know that he's a better option than Jimmy right now. And I think – And Jimmy's better when he is healthy. And, again, I go back to my point I just made a minute ago. Despite all of that, like, what you're saying about what Pete Garoppolo looks like. Like, if you go back and look at this back half of 2019, like the final eight or nine games, he was really, really good. So – Despite all that, though, they still need to draft somebody, I think, in the first or second round and have it be a player that they are very confident in moving into 2022. Yeah. If he's not going to start in 21. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Jonathan Silva, he just chimed in on the on the chat, and he should be able to speak now. Jonathan, can you hear us? Yeah, hello? Yeah, what's up, buddy? How's it going, Jonathan? Hey. I'm fine, man. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Love the pod. Yeah, appreciate the first that. Caller. Yeah, the I'm first caller. <laughs> I'm a little nervous talking to you guys. Nah, don't be. No, I'm super lame. <laughs> so, so things I'm saying about Cam, I feel like Cam is, when healthy, he's better than Jimmy than Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. I know Cam hasn't been healthy in a while, but, I mean, he's barely came back. This was his first year back from injury, I, I believe. And in my opinion, on this, with, the, on, with another year under his belt, I feel like he'd be better. You do you agree or and then if you draft the mobile QB, he could probably take some pointers from Cam, like how from like how to avoid injuries or what not to do. Do you do you know what I'm what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I just have a hard time seeing Kyle Shanahan wanting to go that route because of the changes it it would it would I don't force th- him to make from a schematic standpoint, maybe even personnel, like you know, it, you have to consider too Part of part of the new normal now with the NFL is the fact that there might not be an offseason program anymore. Uh-huh. So if you are changing a quarterback and changing your offense, you're going to have to do it over Zoom remotely. You know, right. it doesn't look like I, I think. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to get June OTAs this year, and and maybe maybe they'll come back in 2022. But continuity is a real important thing now too, and and that's one thing you talk with players. Um, and just sort of like, you know, I, I had a conversation with Richard Sherman after the season, not to like name drop, but I was, I was asking him about D'Amico Ryans and, and sort of the advantages of, um, of going with D'Amico Ryans as your defensive coordinator over an outside guy, uh, and outside, like some, somebody from outside the organization. And, and Sherman said like, well, with everything being over Zoom, like familiarity is really important. And in, in that it was, you know, he said it was a good decision to have D'Amico, not only because he's 
the right guy for the job and everything, but just from a continuity standpoint, um, you'd have a hell of a time, I think, teaching a new defense. And if you're the 49ers, probably changing your personnel in terms of what you look for in certain positions and skill sets and stuff. If you don't have an off-season program to get everybody on the field in, you know, April, May, and June like you would um, normally, so mm-hmm. it could be that these guys don't practice on the field again till August. And at that point, you know, irrespective of how you feel about Cam, like is is that going to be the right avenue, um, you know, to like hit the ground running when training camp starts? Because even even when you have continuity like the 49ers had, it's, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to play well to start the season. And it's going to be even more difficult to play well at the start of the year if, you know, you have an entirely new system because you bring in somebody with a different skill set like Cam. And I think I think the big thing with Cam and regarding Shanahan specifically is Shanahan always says that when it comes to running quarterbacks or quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, you need to be able to drop back and make the throws. And that's something that Cam has not been great at in his career. Um, he's completed fewer than 60% of his passes in all but uh, four seasons. Um, he's never been particularly efficient. Um, his touchdown rate has, has never been great. And I don't think he's going to get better as he gets older. In those in those regards, it's not like he's in his second or third year. He's he's played ten NFL seasons, so I just I don't see it with Cam, at least for the 49ers, because like Chris said, you'd have to change to maximize what he's good at. You'd have to change a lot of what they do on offense, and I just don't foresee them uh, making that dramatic of a change. Yeah, Cam hasn't really been effective in the way that you would need him to be effective since 2018. Um, so, you know, we're three years removed from that. And if you want to, if you want to have that conversation about, you know, Jimmy at least was effective in 2019. I mean, that's not a whole lot different, but yeah. Um, I would be, I would be shocked if, uh, if they made the camera. Do you have anything else, Jonathan? Yeah. What do you think about the Jersey leaks? Well, so I think, yeah, I, I think they're excellent. Um, I think it would be cool if the 49ers had sort of like, uh, a home jersey, an alternate home jersey, and a away jersey, and an alternate away jersey. Like I really like the the throwback white ones that they've had. My my big qualm with those, because I'm kind of a traditionalist, is is they didn't have the red striped socks, which I think set those Your those white ones guy. off. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to like NFL socks, like I love the striped the striped deals. Like I feel like half the team have some sort of like striped design, but with the red ones, if they do end up wearing the red ones, which I think they're going to, um, I don't have that confirmed. But if I know, if I know the thinking of the front office, like I think I do, they're going to capitalize on such an opportunity. And I think the red throwbacks with the white pants um, from those throwbacks, and then you add the red striped socks. I think those those would be pretty killer as an alternate. Maybe wear them for a home game or two. Um, and then you still have the all whites in the bag that you can maybe wear for a road game. Um, but yeah, I think force a, a lot of teams have multiple sets of pants and, uh, and the 49ers being able to like mix and match, I think would be, would be cool for them. They could go all white. They could go white and gold. They can go red and white, red and gold, whatever. I think, I don't think anybody would be upset. I also um, have multiple pairs of pants. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm still going to yeah. buy it no matter what. I'm still going to wear it. Which, yeah. which jersey are you going to get? Right which player? Uh, I, well, I got me a Bosa one right now. I'm probably, I got me a Kittle one. But I don't really like buying jerseys because I feel like when I wear them, they get injured. Like, I bought a Harden one, and then Harden got traded. So, I don't know. Probably old school. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Kittle, Kittle's a good one. Hey, it was Jonathan. funny, too, because, like, Jonathan's gone. Jonathan's gone. I made the executive decision. No, no problem. <laughs> um, Thanks it for was the funny. That's fun. No, one of, one of the issues the 49ers had when they first moved to Levi's Stadium was that they had nobody, like, fans would only wear, play, like, jerseys of players that are no longer on the team. Yeah. It was all Pat Willis and Frank Gore and, you know, Vernon Davis and throwbacks like Steve and Jerry and those guys. Yeah. And now, like, the last couple of years, if there's been one good development at Levi's Stadium, aside from just a team doing well, it's like, all right, fans are actually wearing current players' jerseys, whether it's Bosa or... Um, Probably a good jersey for the organization. Jimmy G, yeah. Um, Brandon Ayuk's a good jersey. Good, good time to buy a Brandon Ayuk jersey, unless he gets shipped off to Houston for Deshaun Watson. And the 11's just a really strong, like, jersey number. Yeah, and Malik makes a good point. There was no talent on the team then when the 49ers first went to the U.S. Yeah, nobody, a strong point. nobody clamoring to go get their friggin' agent. DeForest Buckner is not entering the chat, but uh, but he was on that team in 2016. Ah, good point. But no hey, one really knew. Back. Rob, what's Rob. up? If this isn't a jersey take, I'm removing you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, when, when, when I first requested to speak, we were on a different topic, and then that thing took a quick left to the jerseys. I mean, I could okay, fine. Get us off the jerseys. Say, I, I could really make some waves and say I love the black jerseys, but that seems to be a pretty pretty polarizing topic, yeah, and I know Biederman didn't. They were – so the black jerseys were awful just from, like, watching the game. You couldn't see whose number – like, <laughs> you couldn't read the numbers. They were awful. But I do think the black jerseys were, were cool for fans to, like, buy. Because, yeah. like, not but everybody you, wants to buy – uniform standpoint, they stunk. Yeah. But not not everybody wants to wants to wear a bright red jersey, right? Yeah. Like my my dad had a Steve Young jersey back in the day, and he wore it um, on a walk one time. And people, I guess, I don't know if they were gang members or what, but my dad got like heckled and guys like holding up different colored bandanas out of the car as they drove by him. And my dad no longer wanted to wear the Steve Young jersey after that. Huh. So I can understand if fans don't want to wear a red jersey or even a white one because, you know, like... It gets dirty. You're going to get it dirty. You're going to get <laughs> ketchup on it. Save us from this topic. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. Do you guys think, and, I, and it kind of as that, as that conversation was evolving, it kind of seems clear that, because Chris mentioned familiarity, you know, I think the 49ers would prefer to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for another season. There could be a million reasons that tug them other ways, but do you guys think the 49ers have a little bit of pressure or feel a little bit of pressure to go the quarterback route in the draft because if things go the way they hope or plan, they're not going to be picking anywhere near this high again? Yes. Um, and I don't know if they feel pressure to do it, but it makes sense that they would. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah it's not I, like a, like an organization pressure thing. I don't think there's anybody telling them, like, hey, we got to go quarterback, but – just given the confidence of Shanahan and Lynch, you could you think they're like, all right, we're going to get this settled out. We'll be picking in the 20s or shoot the 30s again, and this might be our only chance to get a guy we love. Now, is there a guy they love in reach? I, I, you know, I don't know. but Yeah, I, I think 
I would push back on the idea that they're feeling pressure to address quarterback just because of, I guess, what the outside conversation is. Like, they needed quarterback in 2017, and they were dead set on Kirk Cousins, and that meant passing on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, right? Um, and Kyle Shanahan, you know, it's been said about him a lot that, like, he thinks he can win with without a star quarterback. And, that, and, and I don't know that that's necessarily his goal, but, like, I don't think Kyle Shanahan is feeling pressure to add a quarterback just to add one. I think he'll feel pressure to add a quarterback if he feels like our quarterback situation isn't good enough or our starting quarterback situation isn't good enough. Right. So, like, I, I think that that's where – that's the source of the pressure for him and that, like, he's a super competitive guy. He wants to win a Super Bowl. And if he feels like that's impeding him from winning the Super Bowl, then that's where the pressure comes from. But I don't know that they're like, I don't know that Kyle Shanahan is like, well, a lot of people on Twitter and you know a lot of sports talk radio hosts want us to make a move. Like we really need to appease them. I think he he was brought in to win, and I think if you know, like that's an obvious thing to say. But like if he wins, it doesn't really matter how they go about it. You know, like I think he he does think he can win with Jimmy. Um, but you get to a point where it's like Jimmy's dealt with so many injuries that you have to see what the other options are. That was so, really, that's was really the, the kind of pressure I was talking about. Like who, like obviously I, I've always said like no NFL front office yeah. doesn't care what goes on on Twitter, but it's like, I feel like. But some like of those decisions, things, like some of those things are like, some of those things are impacted. Like the 49ers, I think during the previous administration, they were very much um, paying attention to public perception. And I think that was part of their issue. I think they do less of that now. Administration front office, not presidential. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry. My, my, my thing is, like, I, clarify. Like, like, in last year, or not last year, but they had no business getting Nick Bosa, just how good the team was. Obviously, Jimmy got hurt. They picked way earlier than they should have been picking. They got Nick Bosa. Obviously, Jimmy gets hurt again. They're picking probably way earlier than they sh- again than they should be picking. You know, I don't think the 49ers are probably dead set on Jimmy Garoppolo as like the long term guy. And it's it's not necessarily a pressure like a Twitter pressure. It's like okay, like if we're gonna make our move and we're gonna get our guy, it seems like now would be the time to do it. But you know, it's, I, I don't even know if they feel like that guy is even there. I think yeah, if it's they they would feel the pressure to add that guy if he was available. Um, but if you look at the moves the 49ers have made, like particularly with guys at premium positions, they've all sort of kind of fallen in their lap. Like Jimmy definitely fell in their lap in 2017. They were not expecting him to be available for, for the price that, um, that he got right. D four, like it was very clear the 49ers needed a pass rusher. They got D Ford for a second round pick. Now they paid a lot of money on that contract initially, well, like a second-round pick for a Pro Bowl pass rusher who in 2018, you know, forced more turnovers than, than anybody else in the league, like that, a second-round pick is not a huge price for that, particularly, right. you know, given what top-flight pass rushers can go for in trades like, you know, Khalil Mack or whatever. Um, so, you know, even Trent Williams, like a third and a fifth, that's not a lot for Trent Williams, right? So, like, I think they ultimately want – their goal is to build the best roster as possible and maximize the return on their investments from, you know, from a trade perspective. Like they, 
something falling in their lap is just sort of how they've gotten to this point with certain positions. And Bosa's another great example because, you know, the number two pick just kind of fell in their lap because they would, they would argue that in 2018 they were better than a team picking second, but they lost a quarterback. And maybe that's what allowed them to, to go to the Super Bowl just a year later. But like, I don't know that I don't know that they'll ever feel pressure to the point of abandoning that line of thinking. Like, I think they're open to trading for Deshaun Watson, and they'd love to at the right price. But I don't think they're going to feel pressure to overpay for anybody. Um, and I think that's sort of the luxury they have with Garoppolo. Say what you want about, um, you know, Jimmy and his health and all that, but they still have a quarterback. They're not like the Colts were before getting Carson Wentz. Um, they have a fallback option um, who's gotten them to the Super Bowl before, so it's not really a terrible place to be. So I think the pressure on them is is more about if there is a guy getting getting him for the right price rather than, okay, we have to make a change. I think the whole thing this offseason has been, you know, if there's the right guy at the right price, then we'll pounce on it. If not, we'll we'll roll it back with Jimmy and see what happens. But if you just look at the biggest moves that they've made to this point, it's all been kind of favorable just in terms of what they've given up, particularly when you're talking about trading. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they, they're they operating in the vacuum of pressures, like, in, in that sense, if that makes any sense. No, I think that's, I think that's a good way of putting it. And, I, I mean, it does seem like Shanahan kind of has that, that, that way about him where he's going to make the decisions – how he wants to make them in any situation. And, it, you know, kind of the external stuff isn't going to affect it. But that's all I got, dudes. I love you. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Um, David Barry asks, he asks, what's, what are my favorite socks in the NFL? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that and, uh, and get back to you. And I might do some Googling real quick. But, Kyle, go ahead and take a question for me if you can. Uh, I actually can't because for some reason I've been closed out of the room on my phone. So, oh boy! Yeah, it's pretty neat. Anyway, um, so you're gonna have to control all that. I you have could you could hit the link I tweeted out um, and jump back in potentially. Yeah, but then I'm in there separately, and it's a weird thing. So okay. uh, I'm just not gonna worry about it. And you can control all that. Okay. So I, I have takes though. Okay. Regarding Shanahan being a being a guy who thinks he can win with any quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think that comes into play in a scenario where they're going to they're just not going to address the position because like I said, I think they're going to draft a quarterback this year. I'm of the mind that they need to do so very early on. And if there's a player that they really like, trading up in the first round to go get that player. Because yeah. the position is too important to not do that. But I think where that mindset for Shanahan comes in is if there's not a player in that top four or five, I guess it's Fields, Lance, Wilson, and Jones. I'm taking Trevor, or, uh, Trevor Lawrence out. But in that top four then, um, he doesn't have a problem finding a player in the second round or third round because he believes that he can get – he can build a better team around that second or third round quarterback and then a premium player in the first round versus trading up 
and unloading assets to go get a player that he may not feel 100% about. Yeah. And I just, I, I think that this is going to be really the first year that they've looked hard at quarterbacks in the draft. It probably should have happened last year, but I think, I think it would be a fairly significant mistake if they don't identify a player they like at quarterback on day one or very early in day two and, and do what they have to do to get that player. Yeah, I agree and with that. Be ready, be, be ready to start him in 2022 and potentially 21 if, if Garoppolo gets hurt. Yeah, which is another reason. Like, if, if the price for Sam Darnold's a second-round pick, I would much rather use that pick to draft a player than add Sam Darnold for one year and then have to pay him after that. Yeah, like if it's Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond or somebody like that, who I would I would rather take a shot on a player like that than getting Darnold for one year after seeing him be really bad in the NFL for three. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Chris Sims likes Kellen Mond. Oh, well. <laughs> Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan are friends. I don't know if you know. Get out of town, what? Yeah. Um, I like that Chris Sims has to specify that he didn't hear anything from Kyle, but here's his quarterback takes and who he thinks would fit with the 49ers. Yeah, that may or may not be heavily influenced by his conversations with Kyle Shanahan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really interested to see how aggressively they they pursue Deshaun Watson because I think they're going to. I do too. Um, I think they're going to be prepared with an offer. I just – I'm very curious to see who, what, like, if you believe that report from John McLean out of Houston, um, what, last month at some point, he said that the Texans would would need to take a couple starters mm-hmm. um, in addition to draft picks. Like, I don't think the 49ers are going to offer Nick Wilson in any trade. I think he, I think John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan view him as untouchable. Do you know why but, I like, think that they wouldn't do that? Why? Because Chris Sims said so. Mm, yeah, that's that's another good point. Um, so where was I going with this? Oh, so like who like what players would they be willing to include, right? Like because um, you know as as Samuel, I, I don't, I'm not going to mispronounce your your last name, Samuel, in the chat said he just wants to make sure to have to keep they keep the cap space to sign homegrown talent like Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Brandon Ayuk, et cetera, when their time comes. So I wonder if there if there are guys in that group that the 49ers might not want to pay um, that they might be willing to include in that draft, like in that trade. Like, for example, do they do are they dying to pay Fred Warner 17 and a half, 18 million a year? Because that's probably what they're going to have to do to keep him long term. Right. Or would they rather package him in the trade for Watson? And would Houston be willing to pay seventeen, eighteen million dollars a year for Warner? Like that's a, I think that's a real question because, you know, you can you can replace linebackers. I think that it pretty easily. Like you're not going to find another All Pro and potentially one of the best guys at the position just in the draft. But like you can get a good starter in the draft and make it a priority, or even trade for somebody cheaper than you know paying Fred Warner all that money. All right, this is I think fun. that's it. All right. Right, Candlestick Chronicles, subscribe, rate, review. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.